I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Christmas comes but once a year for every girl and boy. The laughter and the joy they find in each new toy. I'll tell you of a little boy who lives across the way. This little fella's Christmas is just another day. He's the little boy. That Santa Claus forgot. I don't know what to do, cried Scrooge, laughing and crying in the same breath. I'm as light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. I am as giddy as a drunken man. A merry Christmas to everybody. A happy new year to all the world. Hello here. Whoop. Hello. Red with relish, very nice. Uh, welcome back to the Curiously Specific Book Club, the podcast that's curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books, presented by me, Lloyd Shepherd, and you, Tiny Tim Wright. Tiny Tim Wright. <laughs> We're not. Who did not die? <laughs> no, he he did no, he yeah. didn't. No. We're not doing a Christmas Carol. Yeah, this is part two of our festive extra edition. Yeah, John Peel had a festive 50, we've each got a festive 5. That's right, going through our back catalogue of 30 books that we have and picking out scenes, our favourite locations or our favourite moments in podcasts past. Yeah. Uh, the ghost of no, podcast no, past. The ghost of podcast past. <laughs> That's you. So you, you had your festive five in episode one. We had mm. Woman in Black. Yeah. Uh, we had... Uh, Hipcrest File. Stick of the Dump, Hipcrest File. Moonraker. Moonraker yeah. and uh, Cold Water. Cold Water. So that was your festive five. That's right. So now my, it's your turn. My, it's my, now it's my turn. Uh, I'm going to start with a, uh, a podcast from series one. Yes. Uh, which was our podcast about Mick Heron's Slow Horses. Oh, are you? Yes. I particularly enjoyed the section where we did two things. First of all, you identified where Mick Heron lives. <laughs> and I identified where Mick Heron worked. That's right. Uh, and uh, we managed to uh, come up with uh, a reason why Slow Horses is set where it is 
based on the fact that it was based on Mick Heron's commute. And I thought it was a very good uh, sense of uh, what we do with, you know, combining the author's biography, the real places, the events in the book, and come up with something that's frankly profoundly silly, but also quite interesting well, about I think it also the, the landscape of the book. Yeah, it also demonstrates that one was made during lockdown, wasn't it? And we were worried that, obviously, that that COVID was going to ruin our, our whole reason for being, yeah. that you couldn't go anywhere. So we did the whole thing. We did the whole thing virtually, right? I mean, we looked at that building virtually. Yeah. But, uh, but this particular section basically involved us looking at Google Maps, train times, train locations. Company's and, house and information. Company's house website <laughs> uh, to come up with a extraordinarily stalky version of uh, a Mick Heron podcast, uh, which I commend to you, listener. Do you want to talk a little bit about Mick? Because you, you, you discuss. I mean, I, I wanted to. I want to talk about where Mick Heron was working while yes. he wrote Slow Horses, because I think it's got a really interesting impact on the, uh, how should we say, the topography of the book. I think that's good because presumably he did work around that area because he seems to be very familiar with it, right? This is an interview with CrimeReads.com, and he talks about spending fifteen years working as a sub editor for a legal journal journal at Thomson Reuters. Ah. It was specifically for lawyers, so fairly technical stuff there. So he spent 15 years working there, and he only gave it up in 2017, actually. So he was writing quite successful books while still uh, working. And he had, he had written some books beforehand that didn't really sell. Yeah. And he says in lots of interviews that he always thought he was going to write, but he always thought he was going to work as well because he was never going to sell enough books to write. So I looked up Thomson Reuters, and uh, yeah. they had offices. Uh, obviously, they're a huge company. Their main their main office is in Canary Wharf. But then I found a reference in thebaron.info. Thomson Reuters moves to to move to New London home, but they also had buildings at 30 South Colonnade, right. 33 Aldgate High Street, uh-huh. one Mark Lane, and 58 to 64 City Road. Oh, so City Road runs north from uh, around Moorgate Station and parallel to Aldersgate Street. Yes, right. So the the the, the point of that is is that is that it's about a nine or ten minute walk from Barbican Tube, but crucially, it's almost the same walk from Moorgate Tube, but from in a slightly different direction. So this is where my anal uh, uh, tube lines and uh, oh come on then comes in, Tim. So uh, Mick Heron lives in Oxford. He said he was working for Thomson Reuters. Yes. Um, he said that in one of them to me, he talks about Slough House being near the station, that he, the tube station he got to every morning. Yes. Now, if you were getting the train from Oxford to Thomson Reuters on City Road, you would get the train to Paddington. Correct. You would get out from Paddington Station. The only direct tube link to that part of the world is on the Hammersmith and City line, which passes through Paddington Station. Yes. And you would get the train to Paddington Station. You'd then have a choice, Tim. To either get off yeah, the train yeah. at Barbican, which is yeah. a slightly longer walk, but yeah. it's only a minute longer, or stay on the train and get off at Moorgate. Moorgate yeah. But then, to go back to the book, he talks about River, who's the oh, River car rider. I'm glad you're going to talk guy. about this, because this is the bit of joined up thinking about this, yeah. He talks about his, him walking through the back of the Barbican Centre. Flashbox under one arm. He cut through the estate... Uh, to the row of shops beyond, supermarket, newsagents, stationers, barbers, Italian restaurants. Fifteen minutes later, he was at Moorgate. Interestingly, the estate, it could be the Barbican estate, 
but you that's more of walking through a tunnel. I think he's actually walking through the Golden Lane estate. I agree. Which is the which is the housing estate just north of the Barbican. There is a Waitrose supermarket in that estate. Yeah, because uh, I used to buy sandwiches there when I was working around there, and 50 minutes later was, he was at Moorgate. Now I can, and I'm, I'm sure you'll come to this when you come to Regent's Park. The only reason to walk from Barbican to Moorgate is if you want to get a different tube line. Correct. Right? Yeah, that must be so right. Yeah, I'll let you talk about the tube line. Okay. But the the other the other thing the other thing I want to draw there's two other things I want to draw reference to. One is there's a couple of references to a terrible pub on the corner. Yeah, right? it's got to you be the I Shakespeare. Both knew instantly which terrible pub he was talking about, <laughs> which is the Shakespeare yeah. on Aldersgate Street, right? And that is where you would you would turn right off Aldersgate Street through there to cut through Golden Lane, right? That's where you would go. Okay, I am now going to share my screen because there's something else that this hypothesis that Mick, Mick Heron worked at uh, City Road suggests, right? Yes. Because there is another very good scene in the book, which is a bit baffling as to why it's where it is. Okay. okay, and I'm just going to sh- share my screen now. So that's 58 City Road, right? Okay. So if, you're wa- if you were walking from over here, what would you walk through, Tim? Yes, of course. I was going Bunhill right? Fields. So basically, the building he is in, 58 City Road, Adjoins. backs on to Bunhill. Backs on to Bunhill Fields. Fields burial ground. And towards the end of towards the end of the book, River and his some of the other folk who work in Slough House. They they meet Jackson Lamb in Bunhill Fields. They do for reasons for reasons that are a little bit <laughs> opaque in the book, but it suggested quite a lot of local knowledge. So I think what Mick Heron is doing with this book is essentially describing his walk to work every morning. So Paddington Station, Hammersmith and City Line, Barbican Tube, walk through the back of Golden Lane Estate, Bunhill Field to Fifty Eight City Road, yeah. and that is basically the, the right what you know. Book. Right, what you know, right? Right, what you so, know. Uh, so I think, I think that's, I think, fifty-eight City Road is where he was working. So, given that McHeron was a, a, a legal reporter, I'm quite surprised he's not taking out an injunction against us based on that last clip. <laughs> we didn't actually mention his address, did we? We didn't actually mention his address. We did. We told everybody how you could go and find we it. We did tell everyone where you can go and find it, <laughs> uh, which is not on ours. It's on the company's house website policy. As I said at the time, though, I said, look, this is a spy novel. You know, you've got to do what the spies do. Yeah, well, oh boy, did we. And I, I, literally, I've been back to that part of the world a few times with that podcast. It just always makes me smile. And also, maybe a shout out to Spyrite, Jeff at Spyrite. Yeah, he's hey, a Jeff. massive Mick Heron fan. Yeah. Big supporter of this podcast. Yeah, he's uh, been brilliant. Yeah. He's been great. So, um, uh, he a does lots of good Jeff. posts about the TV program, right? He does. Yeah. He does. Really uh, detailed. Yeah. So, we're, going, we're moving on from East London and okay. the city to, to South Yorkshire. Well, that Near actually, Barnsley. That that accent's changed since uh, part one of this yeah, podcast. Well, it moves around quite a lot, to be <laughs> honest. It could easily just be the other side of the Pennines if you're not careful. So, yeah, we're going to a place called Hoyland Common mm. uh, to do a book called A Kestrel for a Knave yeah. by Barry Hines. Or you might know it's Kez. We mm. both love. Uh, I think right. it's probably in the top three books. Yeah. You know, we do these ratings where we do Q-spec rating about whether the people yeah. are serious about dates and locations, but then we do our, our rather patronising artistic yeah. sort of yeah, uh, yeah. judgment. Which we do as a joke. I hope, it's realized, a good book. I hope people realise that's a joke. I don't do it as a joke. Well, I, well I've been doing it as a joke. <laughs> I'm never joking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people think Just I'm so joking. Serious. No, people think I'm joking, and then I'm not. Yeah. Anyway, I gave this a very high rating. Yes. It's, uh, Absolute I, quality. Yeah, I, I only didn't give it a 10 because Barry Hines wouldn't give it a 10. 
No, that's right. Yeah. But um, we found where Billy mm. finds Kez, the actual location in yeah. the book and in the film. Yeah, actually. yeah. And we sat down on a bench, which we both believe that Barry Hines must have sat on. Yeah. Uh, it was still warm. And we also discovered rather distressingly that the landscape of the book yeah. is being destroyed as we speak. Yeah. Well, no development has to happen, but it was something particularly depressing about seeing the diggers and tractors and piles of earth. Uh, all around Monastery Farm, which is the location in the book. And the, I'm afraid they're bi- what they're generally building, if you thought it was going to be lots of lovely, affordable housing, there is some of that. But the main thing they're building is a massive sort of Amazon distribution centre. Exactly. Center. We thought it was going to be warehouse. housing, but then we looked, at it, looked it up when we got back, and it, it's a massive warehouse. And no sign that they're going to reinstate the path that Billy must have taken from his house yeah to the monastery farm to find his bird. It's a scandal. It's, that should be a proper cultural trail. That should yeah. be preserved. We should honestly. be writing this up for The Guardian. It, I was cross. I was thinking, this is such a great book. It should be... And, and um, you know, you go to some places, like we've been to Dorchester, right? And um, and there's a statue to Thomas Hardy there, yep. and there are blue packs, yeah, and yeah. welcome to Wessex, and yeah. it's all you know, they're all over it like a rash. Well, there was one plaque in Hoyland Common for where Barry Hines used to live, yeah, and that's it. Wasn't the it? fish and chip shop made quite heavy hay over the, uh, uh, the fact that it was in the film. Yeah, well, although it's not in the book, although it's, it's in the wrong book, place, in the wrong book, place. Just to but say, but that was uh, that was it. Yeah, there was yeah. nothing by Monastery Farm. Yeah, so it was a bit shocking, wasn't it? Yeah. So I'm glad you picked this one. I'm really yeah. glad you picked this. one. Have a listen. The wood ended at a hawthorn hedge lining one side of a cart track. Across the track and beyond an orchard stood the Monastery Farm, and at the side of it, the ruins and one remaining wall of the monastery. Billy walked along the hedge bottom, searching for a way through. He found a hole, and as he crawled through, a kestrel flew out of the monastery wall and veered away across the fields. Pretty good, huh? So we're, uh, we're sitting, looking at that monastery right now. Monastery Farm. Yeah, it's not called Monastery Farm, is it? But it's, no, I think uh, it's called Old Farm, isn't it? Old Farm. It's a, um, this is, is this Black Lane? I think it might be Black Lane. It's what he calls the book, the cart track, isn't it? We're a bit discombobulated. Well, it's been a bit of, a, it's been a bit of an adventure getting up here, because on the OS map it all looks very, very easy. So we're, we're near Hoyland Common, the town Hoyland Common, which is separate to Hoyland, which is where Billy uh, lives in the book. And... Uh, it took some effort getting up here. There's a car coming up the cart track because they're building a massive thing between it's be an here estate, and Hoyland isn't it? Common. It's like an estate of some kind. You think I think so. they must be building a new housing. And so the the path that you take, the path that Billy takes from Hoyland Common is is closed. Hopefully, listener, by the time you come and do your adventure, it'll be open again the public footpath they're not going to close down the public they wouldn't dream of just getting rid of a public footpath would they it's more than a public it's quite a big footpath it's the Barnsley circuit route or something like that you may not be able to pick it up on the microphone but the hum of the M1 is something else it's right behind this farm right behind this farm so that wouldn't have been there that wouldn't have been there so there's now going to be a massive housing estate one side and the M1 the other it's quite odd I think Billy Casper would find it quite odd Billy Casper would find it all. And I'm not sure a kestrel would, ne- would nest here anymore. It's would quite, they? It's quite noisy. Well, I, th- I think there's probably still quite a lot of good catching for kestrels. Yeah? 
But it's very good, Tim. You know, you you found this place. I didn't find it. I had somewhere completely different in mind because I was just looking for a monastery rather than yeah. this place. But this is definitely it in terms of the relationship with the town. Yeah, when you there. follow the It's book. just a damn shame we can't reenact the actual route walk he takes. Yeah, but you can reenact the climbing. <laughs> I'm not climbing up that. Are you going to read that bit? <laughs> the moon was almost complete, its outline wall well defined, except for the blur on the waxing curve. I love that. The sky was cloudless, the air still warm, but when he reached the fields it cooled slightly, taking on a fresher, sharper quality. The moon made it light in the fields and lent the grass a silver sheen. Says he, as you climb, your feet and hands, they dislodge a trickle of plaster and stone dust and birds brushed his knuckles as they flashed out of their nest holes. Yes. So you've got to do that, that. OK, I'll do it. Dislodge that. a small stone or a lump of plaster and then you have to put your hand in and, yeah. and find the chicks. Yeah. So when he had emptied the nest, he reversed the procedure, dipping into his pocket for an ayas, an ayas, baby kestrel. Ah. And holding it in one hand while he compared it with another, by a process of elimination, he placed them back into the nest until he was left with only one, the one with most feathers and only a little down on its head. It lowered it back into the pocket, then held his hand up to catch the light of the moon. Both back and palm were bleeding and scratched, as though he had been nesting in a hawthorn hedge. That's lovely, isn't it? That's really lovely. When he reached the bottom of the wall, he opened his jacket and clucked down into the pocket. The weight at the bottom stirred. He placed one hand underneath it for support and set off back across the orchard. Once over the wall, he started to whistle, and he whistled and hummed to himself all the way home. No, he wouldn't be listening to Radio 4, would he? Ah, very good. Very good. That would be that, wouldn't it? That was the music from the Hovis commercial. As good uh, now listener. as it's always been. Well, it came from Barnsley. Barnsley. Hovis. As good now as it's, it's always, always been. been. So uh, uh, this is very good, Tim. This Thank you. This is very you. good. This is definitely where he comes. He comes here twice. Second this is time, where Kez Second is time born. with his book on Falconry. This is where Kez is kidnapped, basically. Yes. Stop, lest we forget. So, yes, listen, it's illegal to do this. It's illegal to do this. And uh, you mustn't do it. No. And it's not to be glamorised or romanticised in any way whatsoever. Absolutely not. Right, I'm off to climb up the wall then. Yeah, good luck, mate. All right, I'll see you on... I'll I'll see you in the other side. No, I'll see you in the uh, Hoyland Working Men's Club in about two hours. All right. Okay. (laughs) When I... So, listening back to that again, um, it makes me angry again. (laughs) That that Kes isn't Kestrel for a knave and Barry Hines isn't more celebrated, and that they are doing something to keep that landscape to preserve it in some way. I'm sounding a bit like some old crusty conservative about that we must preserve these old buildings and fields and places of history. Well, I think uh, that's actually very good, well put actually about the thing that actually makes me most angry. It's not the actual development itself. This is nobody seems to care. I think actually you'll find that in one of the development plans, one of the roads on this lovely new development mm. is called Kestrel Way. Which just seems particularly <laughs> cynical, doesn't it, really? Um, but uh, if you get the time to go up there, get up there now. I don't think the actual wall itself and the farm it will be redeveloped, but no. it's going to be squeezed between the M1 
and this massive new logistics. It'll be facility. harder and harder to get to it. It'll be harder yeah. and harder to get to it. Yeah. It was quite a long walk, getting walking all the way around. This well, yeah. Well, that's because we we approached it from one side and then decided to approach it from another. And the reason, partly, was that you had no faith that it was there at all because you thought it was somewhere else. I did think it was somewhere else. Bad research on my part. Yeah. I was feeling a bit grumpy. In fact, I was quite grumpy all that day. You were. Because you got lost in Hoyland Common then, trying to find Billy's house. I think I prevented you from eating chips. Which that was, was the what, main was, issue. I think the that's main what made you very was, grumpy. Was delaying my. But I think me to just chips. standing around staring at tabs on my phone and making the walk five times longer than you wanted to be—that's a general theme in the podcast. General theme, don't yeah. you think? And normally I put up with it, but that day I just had enough. <laughs> anyway, we're going from here back to London again. Uh, uh, back to another spy. We had a lot of spies, actually. We've had Ipcrest File and Moonraker mm. in the first one. We've already had... That was uh, a great trilogy. It's, it's worth saying, listener, that we do them, we tend to do them as trilogies so that um, we did a spy trilogy. We did, we did. And uh, we picked out all three of them in our festive Ipcrest File, Slow Horses, mm. and then the last one was Tinker Tailor Soldier mm. Spy, which actually I think is still our most popular episode. Too. Is it? Yeah. Um and uh, we found all the locations in London based on the book. Uh, Le Carre actually got a very high mark for how seriously he took For the Q-spec rating, yeah. Uh, there's He's one, one of our favourites. One bit that I could have picked, which is standing on a bridge near Camden, which is the safe house where they they do the sting on the on the mole. Yes, if you uh, listen to the podcast, we'll tell you where that is. tell you exactly where that is and what you can see and what you can't see. Uh, but the bit I picked, actually, was the bit about the circus which is the uh, the headquarters of the unnamed spy agency in the book, presumably MI5 or MI6, MI6. It's And it's just called The Circus because of where it's based. It's based on Cambridge Circus. Ah. But the building it's based in is very interesting. So we've got You some, did some fantastic research We've got research some good research on this. And also there's, so a, good. there's a moment where uh, a character is looking down on the building mm. um, from above uh, a shop, which is now an adult... Adult uh, stop shop, Harmony Adult Superstore, was a closed shop. That's the second time we've ended up at an adult store because we well, did we the, the, the Lovejoy Love podcast, the Lovejoy connection. Yeah, yeah. and we, actually, we did drive past another one on our way up north, but we didn't stop. No, well, mm. after the experience of the Lovejoy one, I, I, would, I wasn't minded to. Uh, so uh, yeah, we did find something very interesting about the circus. It's got an unexpected background history. Fascinating. Uh, which I don't think you will know unless you've already heard this podcast episode. No, so. and I don't think Smiley was aware of it. He, either. Certainly, he, he certainly just would seem to walk straight through that landscape without noticing yeah, anything. Without any mention of the, the type of people that we're going to be talking about. Well, he didn't even mention the fact that Live and Let Die was out for Christmas at the end of the book and he would have gone to see it, surely. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a fact that came in from out of nowhere. <laughs> so Guillaume's gone into the circus and he says he all but knocked over Bill Hayden in his enthusiasm. He was emerging from his room, an hexagonal pepper pot overlooking New Compton Street and the Charing Cross Road. Okay, so we're standing in what is I think now called Griffin Place. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but this isn't Griffin Place. This is New Compton Street. Um, we know that, don't we? So if you look on a map from the 1960s, which yeah. I have here for you, obviously, because you know I'm a, you know how I no, like it's good. You know how I like a map. Oh, lovely! So here we are. Here we go. Oh, so this, we're here. It? Yes, and it just connects straight so through. So this building here was built, opened in 1982. This this office block building, and they basically built it over the top of that part of New Compton Street. And I used to work in there when I was at work at Yahoo. That's actually 125 Shaftesbury Avenue, where Facebook is based. 
Okay. That's the back of it. Right. So we are standing at 94, 94 92 Charing Cross Road, and what was number three, New Compton Street. There used to be a nightclub just there. Okay. The Metro Continental, Continental Dancing. So that's Charing Cross Road there. I've got so, you. And this is the circus. So the circus is actually called, the name of this building is Trentishoe Mansions. Now, the book is set in 1973. This is Trentishoe Mansions, which is now flats. It's now just lots and lots of flats. But it didn't used to be privately owned. It used to be owned by the GLC. And in 1973, the GLC has spent the last five years trying to knock down Covent Garden. Yes. So the North Covent Garden Redevelopment Scheme, late 60s. Lots of protests about GLC, that, GLC, Camden, and they set up the Covent Garden Action Committee. Yes. And one of the things the Covent Garden Action Committee did, with a lot of other people around here at that time, was squat. In 1973, the circus was a squat. How brilliant. <laughs> How brilliant. There were people in there. Squatters became increasingly daring in their choice of targets. In January 1974, mm-hmm. A group of activists pulled off a spectacular publicity coup occupying Centrepoint, the best-known empty building in London. So that was built in the late 60s, and it was empty. Wow. So they couldn't get anyone to go into it. What a great place to squat. Yeah, so basically the, the GLC were decanting... It was, it was social housing, and they were decanting people out and smashing the place up as they went. So they yeah. smashed all the plumbing. I couldn't find any newspaper coverage, right? It's like there was a conspiracy of silence around squatting in London in the 70s. It's hardly anything. That's weird, isn't it? So I found this in an American newspaper from 1980. If you think squatters are transient social deviants who slip into any house that looks empty and slip out the back door when the police come knocking, think twice. Squatters are not committing a crime in Britain unless they are squatting in someone else's home or intended home or an embassy. To evict them, landlords normally need a possession order from court. Trentishoe Mansions a rust-coloured building near Cambridge Circle on the edge of Soho, has been a home for squatters for over five years. Wow. The 60 occupants now are considered licensed squatters by the local council. Excellent. The dark foyer on the ground floor of the tenement is crowded with bicycles, right? So this is a tenement block full of squatters in 1973. So that's, that's one thing that's quite interesting. But now, it's not. It's privately owned now, obviously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have got the deeds. What? what? I've got the deeds what? of the circus. What? Let me find it. You've got carried away, haven't you, Bart? After a little slow horses I thing about what you, what you can quite, find out about deep. buildings and people, you've go. got carried away. Title number NGL 808327, 24 Cambridge Circus, 115 to 119 Shaftesbury Avenue, 84 to 94 Charing Cross Road. So that's all this block All here, of that, yeah. Owned by Cambridge Circle Limited, incorporated in the Isle of Man. Ooh. PO Box 145, Level 6, 10A, Prospect Hill, Douglas. And they pay 21 million for it. And I think on here there's a. I'll put this on the website. There's there a plan. Of the whole thing? That's the whole thing. So that's the circus plan. Nice. So the only thing that I haven't got, and I'm a bit worried about this, is there's another bit I wanted to just show you, which is towards the end of the book. In Cambridge Circus, the lighting was quite yellow, and from where Mendel stood on the third floor of the clothes shop, the wet tarmac glistened like cheap gold. Right? It was nearly midnight. He stood between a net curtain and the clothes horse, right? So yeah. to see into there, he's standing on the third floor of Victor Blake's. Victor Blake's? 1973. That's Next a picture to Lotso Fun. Which is now Harmony Adult Store. So he was on he's the which floor? He's on the third floor up there. One, two, three. So he's in that window yeah, there. he's in that window there, looking down here. Looking down here. Yeah. Looking at this building across yeah, yeah. here. Good, huh? There he is. 
Do you know what? That's classic. Is that I bet there were coppers in there spying on all the squatters. Yeah, exactly. Almost certainly. Yeah. But Le Carre doesn't mention squatters or anything like that. Well, you know, of course he doesn't. He, it's like, it's, you know, he obviously didn't go in. Or well, it's quite like a funny joke, though, isn't it? Choose a place like that that's, that's disputed. Do you, want to, do you want to see inside? Yeah. Oh, you've got all of this, have you? Pink. Pink interiors. Mm. There's, a, there's a really good one. There's a really good look. Oh, wow. Don't you could just see people running through there, and it? Okay. Because it was built in the it was built in the late 19th century. It's quite swanky apartments. Yes. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So squatters in the circus, Tim. I was blown away by the photographs that yeah. you found of the internal, uh, yeah. what, that, what it looked like inside. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the things, listeners, is that we, we put up, um, if, you, if you support us on Patreon for £2, um, you get all the web links um, that are mentioned and all our research materials and notes uh, that I mentioned the podcast. So you too could see these photos of what that building looked like on the inside. Yeah. If you've got any interest in the the books we're talking about these background notes are really useful yours yeah. were particularly good it was a good find the squatter one you used to work in that building as well but not the one next door or around it didn't i used you? to work behind it when i was at yahoo yeah 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 the, the modern building behind it yeah actually the building i worked in kind of went round trentus you mentioned like in an l shape we walked around it didn't we, we did. because out the back it, it would have been all just a massive car park at that point wouldn't it, it wasn't well, developed. No, it was just a road before they actually yeah built over the road yeah yeah so um 
we're going to uh, move on from squatters in uh, Cambridge Circus to yes. Nazis on Norfolk beaches. Oh, it's a contemporary novel. It's a contemporary <laughs> novel. Uh, Kurt Steiner, Obergruppenführer Kurt Steiner, as played by Michael Caine. Uh, oh, thank um, gosh, you're doing all the accents we're today. We're doing all the accents today. We're obviously talking about Jack Higgins's The Eagle Has Landed. The Eagle Has Landed. Which was an early podcast. Yeah, very Great excellent. fun. Well, for men of our age, it was a natural oh, one to do, wasn't it? It was a really natural thing to do. But it, it some, introduced some interesting themes, I think. First of all was the place itself. But the other thing, I think uh, it was a first mention of Tide Times. I believe so. So I had, yes. I'd found a tied timetable, not for Norfolk, but for Cornwall. Yes, but and then I you did some fairly sketchy extrapolation to work out that the um, the paratroopers would have actually drowned <laughs> <laughs> if they'd landed at the time. Well, I think we book. discovered that Jack Heans did a lot of his thinking in the Blakeney Hotel, didn't he? We do rather than going the out there, uh, and I doubt he we did have his timetables. Maybe Jack Higgins didn't come down here on the beach. Uh, the other, there's also a, a, a really interesting mention of an Italian prisoner of war camp near 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 there. Didn't one of your uh, someone, someone you I know, know someone I know holidays in that camp and didn't know it was, it was a bit put out when I pointed out that it had Italian prisoners of war in it. it was like, oh. That's the quality of accommodation yeah, in Norfolk holidays. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to tell you. So uh, lots of stuff to listen to. The sound quality on this is probably not as good as it as it was later on. Particularly we're on a windy beach. We were learning. We were learning on the went. job. It's quite listenable. Yeah, very atmospheric. It's very windy. Say. Very windy and flat out there. As you, if you, if you, well, it's interesting to me that you'd know that if you came from Norfolk. One of the other things themes of this podcast, if you listen carefully, listener, is the way that Lloyd assumes an enormous amount of knowledge and expertise about Norfolk without ever coming from there. Yeah. It, you found it quite annoying, don't you? I did. Yeah. Oh, this is squidgy. So we're standing on. We've just walked across Stiff Key Marsh. Where the hell are we? We've just walked across Stiff Key Marsh, Salt Marsh. Boy. Correct? Yeah. And uh, we're standing on the edge of the sands. It's low tide, it's not high tide for another oh, four hours. Oh. It's a lovely autumn day so it's blue sky a few clouds mm. I can see some people picking something out of the sand lugworms 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 the sea is still about what do you think quarter of a mile away half a mile away I would think so there's just a big long sewage pipe we're standing right next to a big long sewage pipe which is rather impressive so we think the uh, paratroopers landed around here. Here is the target approximately eight miles from the dropping zone the dropping zone is where we are yeah so we're, we're zone for who, say? For the, the German paratroopers under Kurt Steiner. They're dropped from a plane in the fog at around one o'clock in the morning. We don't actually think that Jack Higgins walked out this far. I think he probably looked at, watched it, looked, looked at it from the back of the pub and went, oh yeah, that could be out there. Because it's a massive expense of sand. It really is. They walked up through the marsh along the dike road it was raining quite hard now, and the wind carried with it the damp, wet smell of rotting vegetation. Some Brent geese flew in and out of the mist in formation, like a bombing squadron going in for the kill. So what's the dyke road? Well, would we say, when we're looking back, we're looking we back. came down a track, didn't we? And there's a holiday camp at the end, which is no, not the kind of holiday I would like to have. No. Uh, but what I do know about that is, is the original huts there are from a, a prisoner of war camp for Italian soldiers. So we walk past that. So the actual original buildings from the prisoner of war camp are yeah. still there. So there's a ridge of trees behind us, pine trees. Pine trees, the pillboxes, the sand-filled tank trap, the warning beware of mines so familiar to Devlin from the photographs he had seen. 
So that could be anywhere along here. He looked out to sea across the creeks and the sandbanks yeah. through the mist towards the point, yeah. which is just over that way. Is there. So we're standing we about... We are pretty much at it, aren't we? About a mile from the point, maybe, are we? You can see Blakeney Church yes. up on the highland. And then the other side, you can see the pines of Holcomb Beach. I have to say, the one thing he doesn't do is give you any sense of the scale of it. It is absolutely massive, <laughs> isn't it? Well, in terms of parachuting down onto it, you wouldn't feel too bad, would you? You'd feel absolutely... Well, with one proviso. What? Do you want to talk about tides? <laughs> you looked this up, didn't you? Go I on, managed then. to find... Go on, then. So the tide... T- there is a, there's a site where you can get historical tide gauges in the in, for the United Kingdom going back to, like, 1820. But there's a very, very uh, sketchy coverage during the Second World War, presumably for obvious reasons. Yeah. The only historical tide gauge I could find was for Newlyn in Cornwall for 6th of November 1943, okay. which is obviously a long way from here. But I reckon Newlyn is about an hour ahead. So this is about an hour behind in terms of time. All times. Right. This is your little navigation course coming to bear, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So it was high tide in Newlyn. Yep. At just after midnight on the 6th of November, uh, which well, meant hello. it was high tide hello. here at you about didn't... 1 o'clock in the morning. Which is when they're meant to Which is when they're supposed out, to be right? landing. <laughs> so, I don't think Jack looked that up. They'll get, uh, yeah. That's when we're, we're doing more work than they are, aren't they, these lazy writers? Would you like to drag Jack out here and go, we need to talk to you about tides, Jack? But he can look after himself. He's quite handy with his with his fist. He claims. He claims. Fifty percent of his. Well, maybe only one fist. Steiner could feel the wind on his face, smell the salt tang of the sea, and waited for Preston to falter. The Englishman stepped into space without a second's hesitation. It was a good omen. Steiner clipped onto the anchor line and went after him. Bermler, peering out through the open door of the cockpit, tapped Gerricker on the arm. All gone, Peter. I'll go and close the door. All fledglings safe and secure in the nest. <laughs> Very good. So Thank that... you, Wanderer. Good luck. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. And they're down. And then immediately, cut. Back Devlin, to Berlin. Devlin, Steiner, and Joanna Gray stood together at the table examining a large scale map of the area. That podcast has one of the all time great endings of our podcast. Do you remember? No, I don't remember where we've been going around trying to find the fictional village in the Eagle has landed. And we'd been to about six or seven yeah. different villages. And then I said to you, why don't... And we were staying at my house on the coast. Oh, yeah. I said, why don't we just walk down to the beach before we go? <laughs> and we walked out the front door down to the beach. And then you had a moment yeah, I had where a you moment. thought, hold on a minute. Hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the place you live is Studley Constable. Uh, you, your reaction is you, very funny. You what a idiot! So you should listen to that, listener. Yeah. It's very funny. It's a good one. So we're at, we're at to my last choice, and in many ways my favourite because this this uh. for me, this for me perfectly encapsulates why well at least why I like to do this podcast because it's a very favourite book of mine. It's in a landscape that's been massively changed since mm. the book came out, and we discovered something I think quite remarkable. Uh, we had a similar uh, event with Rebecca recently mm. where we discovered the driveway. Um, so we're doing This is The Dark is Rising by Susan Cooper, one of my very favourite books. Been Still? Ever since. 
I haven't ruined it for you? Uh, you haven't ruined it for me, no. You, you were quite respectful. Um, it, but we, we didn't do um, marks in Series 1. We didn't do marks in Series 1. I think we would have had a quite extreme had a bit, divergence. We might have had a bit of a fight over that. So, um, but we went to uh, the town of Dorney yeah. in, uh, well... In where? In where. So it was in... Buckinghamshire and is now in Berkshire, all uh, the other way around. I can't yeah. remember. Quite a few of our podcasts involve places that were in Berkshire but aren't anymore. Well, this is a new role for you, yeah. isn't it? That you, haven't, you hadn't realised that you were going to be the county border consultant. Well, I've realised well, I'm, I'm in charge of county lines, obviously. <laughs> you are. So you better not, if, the, if the Met are listening. You better not tell my wife that. Uh, <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so we, uh, we, we went to uh, the location of Susan Cooper's Dark is Rising. It's a town that she knew very well. From childhood. Uh, from childhood. She wrote the book in America, yes. um, looking back on the landscape of actually the 1950s, even though it's set in the 1970s. I know. And what we discovered when we were there is, first of all, there's a motorway that wasn't there before. The M4. She'd forgotten about She'd the forgotten M4. The, about the M4. And then also, actually, since the book came out, there's actually a new river. The Jubilee the River. The Jubilee River that yeah. was built in the in That the makes that an island, basically. Yeah. So now Dorney is bisected by this river. Yes. Uh, and there's a, there's a scene in the book where they're walking up this pathway, which they call, um, uh, called Beggar's Lane or something in the book, I think. But actually, it's the old way. Yes. It's the old way. Cause and that's what we really were out there trying to find, We were out there it? trying to find. So we wandered. But there was a river and a motorway in the way. And a railway. And a railway. <laughs> uh, so we wandered uh, over the railway bridge trying to find this footpath. And we found something, I think, quite extraordinary. And actually, listening back to this, I'm not as excited as I thought I was. I, I think I'm a little bit blown away by the discovery. Uh, or I wasn't as so I think you were in shock. It. I was sort of in shock. Either that or you hadn't had any chips yet. I haven't had them. Maybe I was just hungry. <laughs> it, could well be, it could well be that. Um, but this is my favourite bit we've done so far. Is it really? Yeah, and I can still picture it in my head. It was very, very exciting. We are standing by a sign that says Old Way Lane. So, Will plodded along, passing garden walls, trees, and then the top of a small, unpaved track, scarcely a road known as Tramp's Alley, that wandered off from the main road and eventually curled round to join Huntercombe Lane close to the Stanton's house. Right, so it's a shortcut from the bus stop. Yes, which is on the Bath Road, right? It's on the Bath Road. So he meets Merriman there and goes... As well as the name, there was the road. Do you know the name of this track? Tramp's Alley, Will said automatically. That is not a real name, Merriman said with distaste. <laughs> well, no, Mum won't ever use it and we're not supposed to. It's ugly, she says, but nobody else I know ever calls it anything else. I'd feel silly if I called it Old Way. Will stopped suddenly, hearing and tasting the name properly for the first time in his life. He said slowly, if I called it by its real name, Old Way Lane... Standing under the sign saying Old Way Lane, you would feel silly, said Merriman grimly. But the name that would make you feel silly has helped to save your life. Old Way Lane, yes. And it was not named for some distant Mr. Old Way. The name simply tells you what the road is, as the names of roads and places and old lands very often do, if only men would pay them more attention. It was lucky for you that you were standing on one of the old ways, trodden by the old ones for some 3,000 years, when you played your little game with fire, Will Stanton. Very good. So, at the moment, we're standing in the middle of what looks like a 1950s estate. estate. So, isn't it? Doesn't feel like 3,000 years old. So, we've walked. We've walked from Huntercombe Lane over the Huntercombe Spur, 
the, yeah. ra- the motorway over a bridge for, down a very very nice pathway that's semi-paved yeah and when we've got to the other side we've discovered two interesting things one is that the road comes out on a t- what looks like an alley Tramps, Tramps Alley, Alley. That runs you figured out on Google Maps it runs all the way back up to the A4 up to, yeah to the roundabout there and Tramps Alley becomes this road that is now called Old Way Lane and then goes down to the M4 where it doesn't seem to be a perceivable crossing so I'm no. now coming round to your way of thinking that she's so remembering this from when but if there you, wasn't you can, the M4 you seem to be able to follow the line all the way down and then no if you get across the M4 village. and you can if you get across the M4 and you get across the, the Jubilee the River, River neither of which were there in e, on both banks there's a clear public footpath yeah. straight line to Dorney from yeah. here to yeah. there Without, so if those the, two if the, if the motorway and the river weren't there you could walk straight there so this is the old way this is the old way this is where dark and magical things happen yeah or not or not or at the moment they wash their cars on Sunday and kids are coming home from school yeah and people looking at us slightly oddly because we're standing around looking well we're yes we're it's the walkers we're the weird walkers the dark is rising fantastic very pleased to found that so they paved over the old ancient way and turned it into a suburban estate it's still there Tim it's still there So that was my festive five, Tim. Yeah, and that there you were, stuck yeah. on Old Way Lane, stunned in Old Way Lane. You were stunned, totally yeah. stunned. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine any of the people living on Old Way Lane have any kind of real uh, knowledge of why it's so in- interesting. Uh, that's named that. It's funny you say that. Is that it, my memory of that is that it's probably the one because f- I think that was only about the third or fourth podcast we made. It was quite yeah. early on. Wasn't it was it? very early on. And um, I was still quite self-conscious about standing around in a public place with a very large microphone. Yeah. And that was in, in an estate, wasn't it? Yeah. And I think it was just when the kids were coming out of school yeah, yeah. and we're standing there. Talk. And I'm thinking, someone's going to come and ask us what we're doing in a yeah, minute or yeah, tell yeah. us to move on or say we something. Don't, we don't get a lot of that, though, do we? I've got l- so much less stressed about that than I used well, to. Well, do, you know do you know what's changed it for me? The reason I stopped thinking about it, I started putting headphones on when I'm out in the field. Ah. Something about wearing the headphones makes me think, they you can't, turn, you they can't basi- see me. Well, you basically turned into John Motson at <laughs> that point, wasn't you? Well, we did get a bit of. Uh, what did somebody shout to us in the East End when we were doing Bobby Moore! Bobby Moore! <laughs> I'm still not entirely sure what he meant. No. Uh, so that was our festive fives. Ten episodes. Uh, yeah, uh, a little taste. Ten of, chunks of our. Yeah. And also good explanations of why we do what we do. Yeah. So I, I hope, hope that, that gets you interested. Well, so actually, you know, I may, if, somebody, if some people ask me what, what, it, what it is that you do, I may point them at these episodes and say, well, that explains it. There you go. That's so we'll, good. We'll be back in January with uh, series three. Series three. Yeah. We've yes. Got, we've got some great. We've got some great books. Well, some great books. Well, some interesting books. Interesting books. Well, I've some made, interesting I've made books. him read some books that he. Uh, let's say they're outside his comfort zone. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we some, right. Somebody says that's a good thing. We got some crime. Yes. And we're going to do some poetry. Poetry. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So uh, have a great Christmas. Yes, enjoy your Christmas this, break. If you listen to this before Christmas. What, are you doing anything nice for Christmas? Are you reading any good books for Christmas? Uh, I'm probably Mars? reading series three. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> we're gonna, one of the reasons we're taking a little bit of a break, listener, yeah. is that we need to read some books. I know. I, know. <laughs> As I think you said uh, this podcast is not just killing re- reading for the listeners, it's killing it for us. 
Which isn't true. No, I, it's not I, true. I, I not enjoy true. reading the books with a purpose. It's yeah, been, yeah, absolutely. Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, don't forget that if uh, just two of your English pounds, you can support us on Patreon and you get early access to part two of every episode. Without any ads. Without any ads. And you get all the extra content that we post up there of photos and videos and links. Um, and then for five pounds, you can join the Discord server, uh, which is a social media platform that isn't about to disappear, I don't think. <laughs> Uh, and uh, you can all come there, and it's safe. It's a safe place. <laughs> safe space. Only nice people Where we can just discuss books yeah. uh, rather than the state of the nation or why you hate people. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no virtue signalling. No, so it, it, it's good value for money. Absolutely. So um, uh, see you there. And see you yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry for that laddie He hasn't got a daddy The little boy that Santa Claus forgot